2: Year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face—the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was.
0: Join us. All right, and welcome to Rabbit in Red Radio. I, and none other. Than the one, the only, John Spooky Rhodes. And joining me, as always, my partner in crime, the Igor to my Dr. Frankenstein, the maniac Michael J.
3: Are you saying I'm a hunchback? A little bit. I don't know if I approve. Well, you're at least disabled like one. Well, I mean, you know, that's uh, neither here nor there, I guess, at this juncture. <laughs> Uh,
0: I thought I I would, I would really bring it like I used to all the time. Just really bring the enthusiasm and all that bullshit that we just don't really do anymore because we're getting older.
3: I mean, I'm getting older. I wouldn't say that you're quite there yet considering that you're, uh... 35 and a half, my friend. Exactly. And I'm 39. I'm actually over the halfway point with 39, so...
0: You're quickly approaching forty.
3: Yes, the big four zero, the year yeah, of but my you, death. Here's the big
0: question when that comes up, Mike. Yes, how long does your family typically live?
3: Um. Okay, so how do we?
0: I just think of relatives and when they've died.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. Um, if we're if we're doing grandparents, let's see, my um. My mother's father died at, uh, I want to say, 88?
0: Well, while this is riveting, Mike, while you're figuring this out in your head, allow me to go, and I'll also make my point, and then you can chime in after you've done all the math. Okay. So, there you go. You can just carry the two and all that over there, and I'll I'll keep our listeners entertained. So, for myself, being... Halfway through thirty-five, mm-hmm. uh, the average age of a Rhodes is uh, roughly seventy to maybe seventy-five. We don't live long. We're not—we're not, we're not, you know, one of those families that make it into the hundreds. No, we believe in the rock and roll principle. You know, live fast, live hard, die young, and leave a. Well, pretty good-looking corpse.
3: So you don't so, live long and prosper.
0: No. No, there's no Star Trek here, my friend. No. The The only uh, Vulcan piece symbol that I use is not for that, if you know what I'm saying. Fuck oh. the shocker, man. It's all about the Vulcan. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm basically at my midlife point i'm thinking i need a midlife crisis
3: you i'm sure you have one at some point
0: yeah it's coming man it's it's uh, yeah i'm i just need to blow all my money on an expensive car and not feel bad about it i think that'd make me feel slightly better about knowing i'm going to die soon
3: i i think you'll do that sooner <laughs> rather than later knowing you but uh I think well happen
0: Realistically speaking, yeah, I'm hoping to get another five years out of the charger. Um, well, yeah, but you showed
3: me a picture, and the fucking radiator was toast or whatever. Correct?
0: Uh, no, no, it it was the water pump, okay. and it has since been fixed.
3: Okay, we, we had to keep in mind. Of, for an insane amount of money. I'm
0: sure it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. Insane. Um, so let's let's keep in mind that the charger is. Uh, She's a little old now, and she's yeah. got a few miles on her. Right. So, but so five more years, I will be completely debt-free, except for the house. Huh. So, I will be able to put a nice chunk down on a vehicle. However, I have got Sarah to say that I can get a beater, in which case, I will get a beater for the winter, and I will buy a Challenger for the summer.
3: Now, a beater beater, does that mean that that is a car that you will beat the shit out of?
0: It's just a cheap car I don't really give a fuck about that'll right. get around in the winter.
3: Right. Plus, that means you'll also drive it like shit. You know, you'll beat the hell out of it.
0: Uh, not necessarily. Um, mostly because I don't want to invest any money in it.
3: Okay. So, basically, you mean that you'll get a car that's a shitty car, but it it, it it's serviceable, but it's still shitty.
0: Yeah, 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 that's a general idea.
3: Oh. Huh. Interesting. So
0: back to your math now, you should have had enough time. What's yeah. what's the rough age of a Sankovich?
3: Oh, a Sankovich? Well then that's more on my dad's side. I,
0: I just used it as a general, you know
3: Oh, um
0: Yeah, don't don't start into the math again. It's it's taking you too long. Well, my dad is.
3: well my dad lived till like fifty nine, almost sixty. Oh, damn man!
0: Uh, you're approaching the end.
3: his mother was in her forties. She dropped out of a heart attack while doing the dishes in the kitchen um and he came home from school and found her when he was thirteen. Um, holy shit Mike yeah,
0: so can you when you close your eyes do you see the outlines of a tunnel yet? uh no um you let me know when that starts to happen um and, uh, just so you're aware, when you make out your will and testament, which I suggest you do soon, yeah. uh, I want the Blu-rays and DVDs.
3: Yeah, but my, my dad's father lived until he was, I think, I think he was, like, 75. Okay. Although my dad's brother did not live, my dad's brother dropped dead when he was 35.
0: Jesus, Mike.
3: Now, my mom's side, you know, her father, like I said, lived until he was 86. Um, her mother, my mom's mother, lived till she was 64, but that was only because she had lung cancer. That's what she died from. Whew. Um, yeah, she was, a, she was a smoker, a heavy, heavy smoker.
0: So, well... I, I I know we've kind of brought everyone down. We we came in with a lot of energy, and then straight away we well, started talking you came, about death. You
3: came in with a lot of energy, I believe. Really
0: so with, with with this somber note going on, yeah. I just I kind of want to continue it a little bit. This this whole thing of death has got me really thinking about. Uh, well, when I'm talking to you and death comes up, I always think about Donald Pleasance because oh boy, you and Donald Pleasance go kind of hand in hand, my friend. On some levels he is a role model for you
3: Um, he is he's definitely an idol of mine yes yeah
0: yeah so he's been an idol of yours forever so you know really for whatever reason most of the time when I talk to you I just think of that big ugly fucking face staring back at me Mm -hmm. but occasionally occasionally Mm -hmm. I think of the whole picture and really, I just think of a piss-poor Donald Pleasance imitation. I know what you really look like. Yes. But that's just what I, I always imagine, And I, I I assume most of our listeners do the same.
3: Well, I have the goatee so, going now, so I'm trying to be more like Donald.
0: <laughs> so with all that in mind, mm-hmm. and already on this path, you were telling me off-air that this coming year is a special year for what what are people called that are fans of donald Pleasants? uh
3: the pleasantites pleasantites okay pleasantites yes
0: okay so so for you pleasantites i i don't like it It sounds like please nights and (laughs) anyway so for the better better spooky fuck you (laughs) so for the pleasantites out there why is this year so special
3: well, this year is the 100th... Um, his 100th birthday is this year, October 5th.
0: So, if he would be alive still...
3: Yes, he will be 100. Would be. Would, would be the correct. No, will be. hundred <laughs> Anyway, yep.
0: his memory will be 100 years old. No, he will be. God, do you like how I just fucking tied all this shit together? I mean, it's like I'm a fucking genius here. Anyway, so this is called. Come on, Mike, you can fill it in. You're you're supposed to Um, finish my sentences here. This is this is called a segue, children. uh, Sorry, you didn't catch on. So we are segueing from all this to Donald Pleasant's 100th year and Michael J. Yes, my friend. Yes, my cohort. Yes. What do you have planned how are you going to help remember Donald Pleasance? Well, you and came up with the initial... Is 100th year.
3: Well, you came up with the initial idea. I just tweaked it.
0: I came up with a name. Different. You had the idea.
3: Well, um, the name that you came up with is a piece of pleasant And Whoop. the idea is to kind of um, do like a last drive-in style show for Donald Pleasance, which would have me and someone else hosting a screening of a Donald Pleasance film where we have breaks in between, you know, an opening, a closing, and breaks in between.
0: So you're telling me your idea is you are actually going to put on a movie. Mm -hmm. You're going to actually get somebody to volunteer, force them to watch said movie, and Oops. you're going to actually turn this into production for people?
3: Uh, yes. Ah, I am
0: sad that I've already volunteered for this shit.
3: You volunteered for at least two. And it, it's probably going to be <laughs> a, a, a five or six um, film run. Uh, if All it's right. well received, um, I can always do more at some point because he has made A lot of uh, films, obviously. So
0: you're saying there could be a season two?
3: There could. Well, if it does well. (laughs) I hate the season bullshit, but this is kind of now becoming some. You fucked me up because now I got to do something that's in seasons. And I thought about that initially and I was like, I don't know if I want to call this a season. Well, now you're making this way, Mike.
0: Look at it this way. Mm -hmm. So you're doing a limited run of probably six episodes, maybe five. Right. And. If it does well, if you have an overall enjoyable experience doing it and people seem to like it, you want to do a, another one. So, think of it as a sequel. Right. So, at I, I think like you've got to have a sequel. <laughs> Scream, for anyone that didn't get it. I'm sorry. You know, the kids out there that... Well, no, the kids out there probably at least know Scream, so good on you kids. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, yeah, I I like the concept. Uh, I have to give you credit for it. I think that's really genius to actually do, instead of just a commentary or anything like that, where we will watch the film, Mm -hmm. and then you're going to insert breaks. Uh, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't care. And you actually have talking points. So, I'm intrigued. it's, It's like you're you're recreating a joe bob experience but well, bringing a lot of the podcast stuff to it so i am I'm, I'm excited i you know I, what have, I was you know I'm what really i was
3: thinking ch- i mean because you know let let's let's break down the fourth wall here i don't now we all know that the last drive-in when you watch it on shutter on friday nights it's not live wait what it's not live
0: so you're telling me that when I saw Joe Bob before, yeah. and it was right around... He didn't, like, run out of the studio, jump in his car, yeah. and then fly to... He he pre-records that?
3: The, the yeah, the last <laughs> drive and stuff? Yeah. And I, you know what? I think there are people that actually think that it's live, and it's not, because... If you watch it on Shutter, you know how I told you they have the little slider at the bottom that has the time? Yeah. Right? Well, okay. I noticed um, this past Friday, for week seven, uh, they had... I forget what the first movie was, uh, but the second one was um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night or something like that. Right, yeah. And... You know, I turned it on. Black and white,
0: Arabian vampire. Yeah, You're
3: right. I turned it on briefly in the middle of it, and you
0: saw that you know there was uh, words on the screen, and you had to read, and you well, just you checked out at that.
3: Well, part. no, but I no no, I, but it was like halfway through, and I don't watch a movie from the middle to the end. So I'm, plus, I want to tr- I want to watch the last drive in an order, and so far I've watched week one. So I have to, you know, watch it in order. But, um, I feel. Even though it really doesn't matter. But I feel you got to watch it in order. But have no. you
0: watched the marathons?
3: Um, I have not. Uh um,
0: See, that's where you fucked up. You gotta watch the marathons first.
3: I started Tourist Trap. With the first marathon. But that's about it at this point. Um. That's the, the first one, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um.
0: Good job Mike. You only have 12 and a half hours to go. Exactly. And that's on the first marathon. <laughs> exactly.
3: So, yeah, but so but I turned that on this past this past uh, Friday night and the little slider said that the total time was like 4 hours and something and it was like more than halfway through. You know, that So, obviously, if it was live, you wouldn't know, technically, that it's going to run like four hours and 45 minutes.
0: Well, that's why I say you're wrong, Mike, because they could just have an allotted amount of time and it just meticulously figured out. But, of course, no, his show's all pre-recorded. It always has been.
3: Yes. I mean, obviously, it's, it's all written out and, you know... Uh, Sorry to burst anyone's bubble who, you know, feels that he actually does it live, but I mean, come on. I mean, he is in his 60s now, and nothing against Joe Bob, but I don't think for that fucking, the the first marathon that they did, that he would want to do from dusk till dawn to dusk again. Like, straight through like that. And anybody that thinks that he would... Ugh... Yeah, no, they're wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, not happening. Um, so
0: that's really cool. Uh, I am looking forward to that idea. I actually have a uh, two ideas Just kind of bouncing well, around in my thinking, head that I might bring forward. I was thinking forward.
3: more about pre-recording the, you know, the more that we're talking, I was thinking more about pre-recording the Donald things and just, like, playing them on Rabbit first.
0: Okay, yeah, that's, I mean... That's a good idea. I like how you're gay-fabing that we didn't already record them. Anyway, I think that's a, a really good idea. <laughs> um, but no, I have a couple ideas of stuff that I want to bring to the network. And maybe maybe Legion. I haven't quite decided how it's going to work. But either way, they're going to be Rabbit and Red related. Um,
3: yeah, I mean, so- we do have three ratings on the rabbit Ooh. and red network now. No reviews, just ratings. 3 five stars I believe we got. I'll I'll
0: take it. Hey, at least at least people are re- are uh, reviewing for me and not Mike cuz goddamn would our ratings be low. <laughs>
3: Probably, yeah.
0: <laughs> but um on that note uh, for the giveaway, um I uh, I'll just bring the cat straight out of the fucking bag. Um I teased that we were working on something really cool for the giveaway. Uh, I was really trying to work with an artist, uh, one who I've actually supported and, and promoted through some of our stuff, Yes. Uh, to get an exclusive one-off uh, cover yes. for a DVD, or uh, sorry, a Blu-ray that yes. we would be giving away. Great. And um, we got into the negotiations and he just stopped fucking talking to me. And it wasn't even up to the price point yet because at that point in time i had quite a bit of cash just laying around that i could have tossed at him without a second's thought right um i don't know what's going on with that i'm not looking to shame or throw shade at anyone i don't know what's going on i don't know if he just got really busy or anything but uh i'm gonna i'm gonna try and work on that some more because i think it's a, a cool idea i really like it and the guy does some awesome stuff um if you've seen me post anything i i I really do like my halloween cover I, I think it's badass so
3: yeah that is kind of enjoyable that yeah
0: way. yeah it looks like a fucking vhs cover and i i appreciate that so yeah for those of you out there that have been following us consistently and actually thought that i just burned my copy of halloween i i didn't i just replaced the the generic shit with something kind of cool so i had a reason to keep it plus i'm kind of a completist and it just wouldn't feel right i mean i still have halloween 3 so if i have halloween 3 obviously i'm gonna have halloween 2018 i still refuse to call it just halloween because it's it's not
3: yeah it is kind of tough to refer to it as that one. it's just not that
0: right but how fucked up is it the kids and I, I do really mean kids, people that are younger, of the younger persuasion, teens and younger.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That's their first experience with Halloween, Mike.
3: Yeah, that's that sad.
0: when that's you talk case. about Halloween. That because the, because of the label they put on it, that's what they think of a, of as Halloween. And,
3: and not even sad. really fully
0: realizing that it's a sequel,
3: right? And um, I, I mean, yeah, that put all that time in.
0: That that kinda gets me because that's what happens with labeling. Um, I I truly believe it should have had two thousand eighteen or eighteen or something just tacked on it. Right. Apostrophe eighteen, whatever you want to fucking do. Um just, just just for that labeling, just for that so to make people curious. Mm-hmm. Um I d I, I don't know. That that does still kinda bother me. Or and just call before any of I I'm in favor of that. H mm-hmm. forty. Halloween 40. Yeah. Halloween 40 years later. You know? Um, but, yeah, I'm, a, I'm in favor of that. And before any of you fuckers out there are just like, well, you know, Rob Zombie remade it, yeah. and it was just... No, motherfucker, that's Rob Zombie's Halloween. It's it's on the fucking title, it's on the DVD, it's on the Blu-ray. I think it's on iTunes, I don't know. Actually, I
3: don't sh- it's, actually it's not called Rob Zombie's Halloween. They just have a Rob Zombie film above Halloween. Are you serious? I, I, I could have sworn it was Rob Zombie's Halloween. I'm pretty sure they just have a Rob Zombie film above Halloween. That's what oh well,
0: doing. then they fucked up too. It should be Rob Zombie's Halloween. Well,
3: that's I, how I've that's, always referred to no, it. That's, that's how, how I know of we'll every fan to referring too. to it. Yes. And uh, Rob yeah, Zombie's I, Halloween or Rob Zombie's H2 or Halloween Two.
0: I am a strong supporter. Yeah. I I I still think that's a damn good film and i still think halloween 3 sucks donkey dick so right there is like and you can turn off right now and i don't give a fuck because yeah one's a well-made film and one's uh not. spooky <laughs> well speaking of that i did tease it so i might as well put the cat out of the bag again i don't know why i'm keeping so many cats and bags around here but Meow. yeah yeah whatever um I have two ideas for shows, Uh, and if you guys want to give us feedback, tell us, hey, I like that idea, I'd love to listen to it, or no, please, just stop. It's all shit, it's all utter shit, put the cats back in the bag, I don't want to hear any of it. As long as it's
3: not the spooky hour, I think we're good. (laughs) Um,
0: The Saturday show. Uh, Mike, you've been getting a lot of feedback and everything with uh, the Sunday show, so I was... I've been listening, Uh, I haven't heard the last one yet, because I've got a lot of shit to listen to, but I've been kind of thinking, you know what, fuck Michael J, I can do this. And you know, I'm so confident in myself that I can do this, I can do this without guests, because I don't need a motherfucking guest. I can do a solo cast, a Saturday show, that's better than Michael J. Hmm. And I'm not going to call it The Saturday Show because I'm not that petty, even though petty is the entire reason that's driven me to come up with this concept. It's going to be called The Witching Hour. And this is actually a concept I've had for quite some time, and it's involved multiple times. It, I actually have a great concept, but I'm not that motivated <laughs> or willing to put in that amount of work, so it's going to be greatly simplified. Right. So, yeah, sorry, people. Um <laughs> Uh, but I also have another idea of a second solo cast, which would also involve uh, some radio drama aspects.
3: Ah,
0: uh, roads versus um, it's a. It would be me talking about a film, but it would also be kind of in the context of. Something like uh VHS Life, if any of you guys listen to that where there's more to it. There's a a story thread run throughout the solo cast. So I don't know. Two ideas. I don't know if they'll ever happen. Who knows? I'm kind of a lazy fuck. Usually, you know, after working seven days straight or eight days straight, I'm not, you know, sitting around like, you know what I wanna do? <laughs> I want to sit down in front of a microphone for an hour mm-hmm. and talk to myself and then I want to spend the next two or three hours editing that <laughs> and then I want to spend you know like 20 minutes coming up with some show art and everything. No. Most of the time I want to sit around in my fucking gym shorts scratch my balls, pet a cat and watch some movies. Meow. Sorry. I, um, I like cats. I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe that's why I have so many in bags. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. It's fucking weird. It could be. Things are getting weird around here, right? Rabbit and Red Radio Studios. That's right, there's an actual studio. It's getting ready to move, people. I mean, shit, shit's happening. Shit's happening.
3: It is getting ready to move.
0: <laughs> At least uh, the Ben
3: Salem branch is moving.
0: <laughs> Alright. There's been a lot of babbling nonsense, but I want I want you people out there to... To rest assured, we've got something more important coming. Um, I think a couple of you might want to get your Kleenexes ready. Uh, because, uh, things are going to get a little real. Oh, boy. Right after
4: this. This'll keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see it. you. You call me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said Quiet! Back to the cutting room.
3: Right, and we're back and I'm sitting here and this is very reminiscent as to how I start the Sunday show just because I don't know it's just very peaceful very subdued very um everybody should take his Xanax and sit back and relax alright and uh
0: yeah Mike your Sunday show did inspire me a little bit so I thought that instead of getting a fancy guest or, you know, doing another strange topic on films, I thought... I thought we could talk about you. Oh, Jesus Christ. I thought...
3: I've done this with Vince in the past, I believe. No, 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 no.
0: I thought I could have an interview with Michael J. The Filmmaker.
3: Oh, Lord. Well, he's pretty much dead, unfortunately.
0: So, Michael Jake, thank you for taking the time out of your day to sit down and oh, uh, talk Christ. to us.
3: Oh, Jesus Christ. There we go. Oh,
0: <laughs> so, Mike, how did you get started with uh, filmmaking? What, what was kind of your inspiration to kind of get you rolling to begin with?
3: Well... Um, ever since I was a little child, I enjoyed, um, watching, um, horror films, and just films of that nature. So, I was like, hmm, I can watch it, and obviously, sports was not my thing. Obviously. Right, so I was like, um, although I did play Gimp Baseball.
0: Gimp uh, Baseball? What the fuck is Gimp Baseball? Before we move on, you brought it up, you have to, you have to elaborate.
3: Well uh, it was a, it's, uh, uh, Little League, uh, what the hell was it, I think I was part of the Levittown Continental, uh, Challengers Division, and obviously Challengers is because all the fucking kids had fucking challenges, they were fucking either in walkers, crutches, wheelchairs, uh, Down Syndrome, any just, uh, mental retardation, all of that shit, and, uh, I was uh, probably, from what I can remember, I think I was probably the most normal of the uh, kids on the team. Um, uh, you know, and and you could either hit the ball, like they would just pitch it to you and you hit it, or you can hit it off the tee.
0: Oh, okay, so, so you just you you went out there with your canes and smacked it off the well, tee. Why
3: I, I used a uh, backwards walker at the time. Oh, okay.
0: And, did you steal uh, a base?
3: Uh, I think maybe at <laughs> least... I think I did that once. Nice! If, if I okay. remember correctly. And uh, I did not always... I started hitting it off the tee. But as, as time went on, I got a little better with it. So I was able to actually swing and uh, make contact um, with uh, normal uh, pitches.
0: Okay, so for newer listeners that may not know the full story, Mike, why don't why don't you... Break down, or at least explain why I'm laughing and talking about canes, and you were on a disabled baseball team.
3: You don't think that? Oh, 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 oh! I oh, said newer oh. listeners. Oh, not everyone ones, may know the newer ones. That's right. Okay. Well, um, I was born with something called cerebral palsy. Okay, and that means that now there's different forms of it. You know, I feel like I was in second. I feel like I'm in second grade all over again. <laughs> because when I was in second grade the,
0: the Now Michael, why don't you tell the class why you're different?
3: Exactly. Well <laughs> she might not have said it exactly like that, but I distinctly remember being in second grade and we used to have this thing called story time on the fucking carpet. And yeah, we had story time all, too. Yeah, and all the kids would gather around and the teacher would read a book. Well one day the fucking carpet time was fucking the kids all sitting and me fucking explaining to them about myself. So, that's what this is kind of like reminiscent of, but, uh, yeah, so, well, let's put it this way. My due date was, uh, December 4th, 1979. And I was born on September 26th. 1979 and I weighed 3 pounds
0: so just a little bit early
3: yes <laughs> a little bit um, basically when they when my mom got to the hospital uh, because her birthday is on September 23rd so what happened was she was out with friends for like a late birthday dinner and she went into labor at that dinner. Um so by the time she got to the hospital like there was like n- no time. Like they had to get her up to delivery like right then and there. Um because I was not holding back. Like I was I was coming out. You were there. coming. Yeah. Ready or not. Right. So yeah, at that point I was born and um the I what is it, I have a, a more mild form of it, like there are certain people that are affected with cerebral palsy and they have the you know, and that that's not me I'm like normal intelligence for the most part and uh, you know, I can communicate and all that stuff uh, you know but uh, it
0: just affects your joints and right mobility mostly right.
3: Basically, that's that's about that.
0: Yeah, you've had several surgeries. Um, you work with or, you that's... you you are, basically you have to try and kind of work your way around uh, walking with you know the dual canes.
3: Right. So well, that's yeah. that started in, in high school. I went over yeah. the Yeah. Yes. My okay, senior so, year. Yes.
0: So let's, let's let's go back farther. You you said that you've always enjoyed films and stuff. So. When what was the big draw to making yours? Why, why, why did you start making films?
3: Well, I used to um, do, like, these little um, play things because um, when I was uh, younger, I would always, like, act out, like, um, uh, used to act out um, scenes from Friday the 13th Part 6, so we were kind of always
0: performing um, for your family. It was it's, like it's just kind of your nature.
3: Well, family and, and the neighborhood uh, people I used to put on. I had a little uh, Fisher and Price uh, toy chainsaw. And <laughs> uh, I would go around and, and we'd do a Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the neighborhood. Um, so, you know, um, and then uh, I don't remember what Christmas it was, I guess... It had to be maybe Christmas of 87, I got a little uh, Fisher-Price camcorder that uh, recorded on audio cassettes. Um, It would record 10 minutes of uh, grainy black and white video per side, and uh, that was what I um, used to make my first Well, not feature, because it was only about uh, 20 minutes, 15 or 20 minutes, in the summer of 1988.
0: So in 88, you made your first... You you attempted to make your first film. Yes. Uh, You remember what it was?
3: Uh, It was Camp Out Nightmare.
0: Camp Camp Out Nightmare. Yes. The basis of our conversation. Okay, so Camp Out Nightmare was your first.
3: Right, and it was... was, uh,
0: What can you tell us about
3: it? Well, all it was was a bunch of uh, kids. It was meant to be... Obviously, we weren't weren't meant to be kids. I think we were meant to be um, teenagers. Teens? Yeah, but we were all about... um, Between eight and nine. I think maybe a few uh, seven-year-olds. And, um... uh, It was a vampire movie. I don't know why I was drawn to doing the whole vampire thing back then. But... Uh, it was a bunch of kids that go to this, this club, and it is in my backyard, and they uh, go up against uh, vampires and all that shit. There was really no camping in the first film, so I don't know why we called it Camp Out Nightmare.
0: So Camp Out Nightmare was basically from Dust Till Dawn before From Dust Till Dawn.
3: Right, basically, yeah, you can say that. Without, <laughs> okay, without so Selma Hayek and... and, and you know, good
0: at texting to... and yeah so that was the the genesis, the the the, the starting idea right all right but camp out Nightmare didn't die there did it Mike? Well, it, it became made... a franchise well
3: I made the first two within the first uh, within two weeks of each other in the summer of 88
0: okay so with that you Fisher know you pretty much camcorder. made a backpack
3: right with the Fisher and price camcorder pretty much the same cast in both except um yeah the the addition of the guy who would play the the main killer thorn going from three forward uh, kind of came in on the second one and uh yeah so we ended up yeah we shot that like i said that was two weeks after the first one and then after that So like, the big
0: bad guy came in in part 2.
3: Right. Well the guy that would go on to play that that part.
0: Yeah. So that the role of Thorne, the right. the villain of the series didn't exist in part 2.
3: Right, it didn't come, he it didn't come until the, the third.
0: Okay, so take us to part 3. What well, was, when did part 3 happen The like?
3: third was made the year after in 1989. Okay. And uh, that was actually shot on a camcorder. My mom. Okay,
0: so we're upgrading.
3: Yeah, my mom's friend shot that, and my mother basically directed that one. Even though she didn't get a director's credit, she basically did wrangle all of us. We shot that. That was, um, I guess that ran about eighteen minutes with about 10 or 11 minutes of, like, song shit in the beginning. I don't know why we did that, but... (laughs) Instead of credits, that's what we did. We had, like... I don't know, dancing and whatever. So, um... But we shot that. That was a one-night shoot. um, In the house two doors down from mine. And, uh... It was, like, 7 to... I think like 10 or 10.30 we did that. And all of the parents of the kids who were in the movie were over at my house watching Die Hard while we were uh, making the movie.
0: Okay, so you, you've now turned it from just this little kid thing into a trilogy. You, you've actually started to make it into something. Now, was it always intended... When you were making these to be sequels, or is this, like, retroactive, the films you've made? Uh, you're, you're just seeing the common thread?
3: No, I, I always was, you know, I, I meant to continue it, and then okay. there was a big uh, fire thing at the end of the third one, which obviously I didn't really have effects for that. We had um, paper flames and a whole paper thing. <laughs> it was really cheesy. It's on fucking YouTube. Um, but okay. it was really cheesy um, so for Part the, 4 uh, though For the 4th film yeah. I did the summer of 1990 And obviously With the killer burning at the end of the 3rd one I was debating um, Whether or not I wanted to put him In bandages In the 4th film And you know We were going to do that But uh, I decided against it Because I would be too scared Based on Halloween 4 coming out um, You know prior to that, and me being deathly afraid of people with bandages. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that didn't happen. We used a fucking devil costume.
0: Okay, alright, alright. So, part five. How did that happen?
3: Part five was done in 1994, because uh, we were originally going to do a fifth one the year after four, in 1991, uh, we had started writing a script, uh, but then I kind of. So at this point, you're actually writing
0: scripts instead of I, just you know spitballing ideas. I, I
3: started writing scripts with the third one. Okay. Um, before that, the first two, we basically just uh, very crude ideas and very yeah, very crudely storyboarded with stick figures.
0: Really? Okay. So that's that's even more involved than I. Uh, and then I gave you credit for so.
3: Yes, that was the first two. The third one started with this with scripts, um, but we did start writing a fifth one in ninety. I think the fall of nineteen ninety, we started okay. writing a five. Um, you say we? Who's we? Uh, me and the guy that that played the Thorn villain.
0: Okay, um, so you and in the the title killer.
3: Yeah, we wrote. Um, Well, we storyboarded two together um, with the stick figures. We wrote three together, we wrote four together, we wrote five together. Both drafts of five, we wrote... So there's
0: actually two drafts of part five.
3: There is. Well, because the one that we shot that we were going to shoot in 91 did have a script, but we never got to shoot it because we kind of lost touch or we stopped talking for one reason or another, so it just never happened in 1991. So didn't happen until um, August of 93, um, August 13th of 93, when Jason Goes to Hell came out in theaters, I went to see it. And it just so happened that the guy that played um, the main killer in the, in the movies was at the theater, and I ran into him after that. So we started talking again after that, and I remember in March of 94 Jason goes to hell came out on on video And I was like, hmm, I was like they did a final Friday all these years later I said so, you know, what do you think about kind of like, you know, doing a fifth one kind of like doing it to see What would happen? And he says, okay, you know sure we could try it. So we tried it. Um, we wrote it again. Um, I think that it's probably the weakest one, um, only because a lot of what we wrote had to be changed because of people, um, dropping out. Okay. Um, so So not
0: really due to your fault, just, uh, Circumstances. Yeah,
3: no, the script was a lot better than the, the final product turned out to be because people dropped out, so I had to uh, double up and have people play more than one part. Gotcha. Didn't go so well.
0: <laughs> right, right. Now, were you just showing these to friends and family, or, or what was the deal?
3: Oh, yeah, at that time it was just friends and family. Um, okay. Nobody else was, um, you know... Um, oh, well, the, the um, with... The third one, I think I showed that at the summer camp that I went to uh, for the Gimpy kids. I showed the third one uh, there in the summer of 1990. Um, That was really the only public, or, you know, sort of public viewing of it that there was.
0: Okay. Alright, so we've, we've got five now. Yes and you've brought us up to
3: 1994
0: or okay right so there's there's a big gap here
3: there but, initially was not going to be
0: Well, take us into the production of Camp Out Nightmare 6 which is my favorite
3: um i was going to i started i started writing a draft of 6 in I want to say 1995. Um, but again. So shortly after
0: the release of part five. Right.
3: Well, no, because, see, the fifth one got released, um, the timetable for that was different. We started it in the summer of '94, but because of everybody dropping out and having to recast parts and just, uh,. And the summer came and went in 94 and we still weren't done Ooh. Um, so I was pretty much at that point going to be like okay this is just never going to get done and I was resigning myself to the fact that okay we're done um, but I was going in for surgery um November of 94 I think a few days before Thanksgiving I was going in to get um I think they fused my ankles that time. Yeah, okay. So, so I was going in for that surgery, and I was like, you know, we can maybe try to salvage this, because I still had the tape with, like, everything that we shot up to that point, and I was like, well, we can still salvage this. I said, you know, we just, we can't shoot everything, but maybe we can, like, save some part of the script and just give this an ending, um so basically uh the week before or the, like I think yeah the weekend before the surgery I took like uh, that Friday, Saturday and Sunday and we finished the movie and it's funny because when you watch the movie you'll see the time shift from fucking we're wearing shorts and t-shirts fucking me being in sweats because it's the fucking middle of November and it's freezing (laughs) out Um, so yeah we did that, we shot that and I spent the night before I was going to go in for surgery editing it and putting it together and all that stuff Um, so I finished it and then the next day I went in for surgery and then I didn't watch, I think the first time I watched it was when I came home but, uh, you know, from the hospital after that, like a few days right. later. Right, right. Um, but so six was, um, that was going to happen. Again, I started writing it 95. Um, like, actually, no, I might have actually started writing it like around Christmas of 94. It might have been Christmas or January of, a, either Christmas of 94 or like January of 95. I started writing 6th, as a
0: Christmas present to the world
3: exactly (laughs) Um, I got maybe about 5 or 10 pages into it and I was like I'm just not feeling it Uh, I put it aside and I started writing something else that I wanted to do that also never came to fruition and that was going to be a movie called Jeremy. Based on the Pearl Jam song about me, Jeremy. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I wrote that, but that never uh, came to fruition either. Um, so again, I uh, kind of didn't talk to uh, Jim. That's the guy who was the Thorn main villain person for like another year. Um, and I think Christmas of '96. Uh, Because we would have Christmas parties at the house on Christmas Eve. And since he was, you know, my neighbor, we basically invited him and his family up for Christmas every year, like Christmas Eve party. Right. So he came up, I guess, on Christmas Eve, and it was the first time we had talked in over a year. And he said um, he used to watch the soap opera Guiding Light, and he loved that show. He (laughs) would watch it religiously. And he's like, I have this short that I wrote that he was going to make with his girlfriend at the time, and it was called No More Tears, and it was basically a spousal abuse thing, and there was like a whole rape thing, and it was like a short. Um, it was maybe only going to be like 20 minutes or a half hour. So he gave me, so he talked, he talked that up to me, and like the whole Christmas party was talking to me about it. And I was like, well, I'm like, you know, that, that seems kind of interesting. It's not horror related, so let's, you know, maybe give it a shot. See what's going on, see what it's like. Um, so he gave me the script finally, I guess, like a few weeks later. And I read it, and I was like, hmm. I was like, no, I like what you did with this, but I think I can take it, and I can flesh it out. And I can create... Like another, I created a character for myself. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And obviously, and kind of like a whole, like, side plot. And I expanded it into something that was going to be 20 minutes or so, or 25 minutes. And I think the final runtime was 92? Yeah, 92. Holy minutes. shit. Um, and I basically, obviously, he got writing credit on that because he wrote the short, but then I took that short, and I kind of, like I said, expanded upon it, um, and that was actually the first film that I think I gave myself, I, I think that I did the solo, yeah, I think I did the directing on that one, pretty much myself, um, and there was really no issues with that, that was kind of, the smoothest production I think I've ever had, because we started, we started shooting the beginning of July of 1997, and I think we had shot that entire thing in three weeks, and that was, like I said, it was probably the smoothest, and there was really no problems, um, it went, it was fine. Um,
0: okay, so how did this story of spousal abuse and rape lead to Camp Out Nightmare 6?
3: Uh, well, because after that, we, um, I watched a movie, we watched, because uh, after we did that, we would get together and we like, basically watch movies and just hang out on, like, weekends together. So, we used to go to Blockbuster all the time,
0: um, Well oh. Hold on, one sec. Uh, Blockbuster Kids. Um, for those of you that are of the younger persuasion, yeah. was a store where they allowed you to rent videos. You could go and pay and take a video home for a couple days. So,
3: right. yeah, exactly. So we um, we rent it. Um, when a Stranger Calls from 1979, the original, not the remake, obviously. And we watched that, and I was like, "Mm, "Like that was really, really, really good. So, we decided to make a short, I call it short, it came out to like 37 minutes or so, um, and, you know, we called it The Babysitter Murders, and it basically followed the same- Original? (laughs) Right. And it basically followed the same formula as When a Stranger Calls, except- basically, anybody who's seen When a Stranger Calls, you know that that whole thing about, you know, the calls being, coming from inside the house and all that, that was really only the beginning of the film. After that, you know, it kind of went deeper and more psychological and all that shit. Well, we made this, and it was kind of like, um, what is it, just, uh, fucking... Uh, just a, a an abbreviated version of When a Stranger Calls that mainly focused on what the beginning was. Right. But, uh, yeah, but oh, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. But that was still 90. 90- oh, wait, no. No, I'm not, because that was still 97.
0: Yeah. And that led to Camp Out Nightmare 6, I'm hoping?
3: Actually, no. Uh, <laughs> Camp Out Nightmare 6 was... Oh, shit. Camp Out Nightmare 6 was before... Well, it wasn't shot before that. It was shot after that, because we did it in 98. But that's right, because after... um. After this Spousal Abuse movie, I sat down with, with Jim, the main villain, and I said, you know, what do you think about doing another, another one? I said, because it's been four years since we did the last one. I said, what do you think about doing another one? He's like, I really don't know if I want to do it again. And I said, well, I really kind of feel like doing it. I said, you know, we did the, the drama thing. I said, I took my break from horror, I said, but I'm really kind of, like, feeling this, I feel like there's more to tell, she was like, well, I don't know, if you feel like writing it or doing it, then you write it or whatever, and then, you know, maybe we'll, we'll talk, um, so that's why, um, when, uh, I was going into my senior year of high school, September of 97, And there was a teacher strike for the first week of that school year. So obviously, I wasn't in school for that week. So instead of being, obviously, instead of being in school, I took that entire week of not being in school and I wrote six by myself. Because he, at that point, did not want to be involved. So I wrote it. I'm like, okay, then if he doesn't want to be involved, then I'll write it. And then. He'll have to do it, because I wrote it, so he'll do it. <laughs> so, I, I wrote it in a week, and then I gave it to him, and he... Because I wrote it longhand at that point. I had a notebook, and I just... Old wrote school. It. Yeah, and I wrote it longhand, and, uh, I don't... Actually, I don't even think I have it. I don't even think I have the longhand, like, notebook anymore that I wrote it in, um... Because it was typed after that. His his fiancé at the time typed it and then made copies of it for us. But um, he read it and he was like, yeah, was like, this is pretty good. I guess we can do it. Um, so we started shooting that around because uh, now, of course, I wrote myself a love interest. So And this is also,
0: we have to, I, I have to, mention this this is the the biggest production scale that you've had
3: uh oh yeah this at this point yeah um i i I wrote myself a love interest and i obviously wanted to get somebody to um i had made another like short film as a project for school and i cast in that in that short i cast a um somebody uh, who i had a crush on to play my love interest in that, uh, she was in the drama club, and did all the school plays and shit, she, you know, and I was, like, infatuated with her, like, I fucking, I, mm, I wanted, you know, I was like, she is into, like, acting, and theater, and film, and I, I really, I'm interested in her, or whatever, so, um, I remember that I, I gave her a copy of the Campbell Number 6 script, I guess, um, in March of 98, and uh, she, and I put my number in it, I said, you know, please read it, I'd really like to have you play the, the role of, of Kristen, my love interest, or my fiance or whatever, and she never got back to me. Oh, okay. bitch. Yeah, so we were, uh, so I was scrambling, I'm like, okay. I'm like, so who am I going to get to play the love interest now? And that's where um, Jim, the main villain, and his his fiance at the time, had uh, a, a, a friend, a mutual friend, Uh, She was a born-again Christian, a religious nut, Um, but she agreed to do it because, you know, there was no nudity, so she said she would do it. Um, She went off script several times and uh, added uh, some language in there that she was originally against uh, saying or whatever, but she dropped a few F-bombs, even though I never wrote her any F-bombs, she went off a few times but uh
0: damn christians
3: exactly we started <laughs> we started shooting that in um may of 98 and we wrapped it on july 31st at 11:45 p.m.
0: Now you've never given up on this. There are two versions of this film, correct? Possibly three.
3: Well there's, let's see. There's the the first cut that I made when. So the rough cut. Well, I call. It, well, it's 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 not the rough cut, so to speak. It's 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 a finished cut. It's just it's the first cut when I first put the movie together. Okay. In '98 and released it on August 4th of '98. It was in the a cut that ran what two hours and nine minutes. Jesus Christ, Mike. And, uh... And then... After that, we had, um... In 2000, because there was, like, a... Like, an effect shot that I like to call that I missed. And I left out of that cut because... Number one, I forgot I had it. In the (laughs) editing process the first time around. (laughs) Um... Number two, those characters never really finished their roles. Like, they only shot that one scene. So, at first, I kind of thought that it was, like, a throwaway thing. Even though I really love the effects in that scene, because, you know, uh, the guy that I had do the effects for that was, like, really into makeup, and I thought he did a really good job. So, the director's cut I put out with that extra scene uh, in 2000, and that version ran two hours and 11 minutes. And then, um, Alex took it upon himself in 2008 for the 10th anniversary.
0: Now that's, that's Alex Edwards of the Skeleton Crew.
3: Correct. Okay. Alex took it upon himself to do a re-edit and add music into it and, um, he did a little editing, made it a little tighter, and he cut it down to an hour and 27 minutes. Correct.
0: Now, yes. people can actually purchase this version, can they not?
3: Uh, it was on Amazon for a time. Um, I don't think it is anymore, but I obviously do have it. Okay.
0: Now... As I said, you've never given up on this. And I, I think one thing people should take away from this is not only are you passionate and knowledgeable about horror, which everyone should know this, listen to this, but you have an unbreakable spirit. And, Mike, you have such a passion for this project and you've never, ever given up on it.
3: Well, just as a franchise, I mean. You know, right. It's my flagship.
0: So... Uh, You made six films throughout your life, so well, far, in this I, franchise. Well, in this franchise, I
3: did make a seventh one, but it never got completed. It was a Thorn versus Myers film.
0: Oh, Jesus. We're going to skip past that. Because we're, we're not going to call that canon.
3: Well, that footage is on the two-disc special edition of six that is available. <laughs>
0: um, but you attempted a remake at one point, did you not?
3: I did. Actually, okay. I, I attempted it more than once.
0: Well, let's talk about the first time. How did this come about?
3: Um. Well, after I... Because we all know I love Halloween. Right. And that was one of those movies that I'm like, they're never going to remake it. And then Rob Zombie fucking, of course, came out and did it. And all Yeah, of, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Right. And I was like, hmm... I was like, you know, he didn't do a bad job. I'm like, so if he can do it, then maybe I can do it. You know, because uh, Jim at that point, the main villain from the, other, the rest of the franchise, I kind of, like, wasn't talking to him again. So I was like, you know, maybe I can, you know, remake it and have a different person play the killer and kind of, like, you know, because he spoke. Just and, have a fresh start. Right, and just do it all over again i was like if halloween could do it then i could do it with this so i set out to kind of do something and it started out along the lines of of how zombie uh, was doing halloween however that never came to fruition um
0: and and through you know contacts and whatnot with your podcasting, because you were podcasting at that point in time, you got a co-writer, did you not?
3: Well, not when I first started in 2007. I kind of, like, after I gave up on the whole um, zombie Halloween theme of it, I kind of, like, abandoned it for uh, about, like, two or three years. And then in 2011, or 2010... I think it was probably 2011, I I started it again, and through through the podcasting thing, that's when I met up with Eric Morse, who wrote the Camp Crystal Lake novels, and, you know, I brought him on board to help, you know, with the writing, and, you know, that didn't go as I had planned, because I would write, and he would write, and I told him, I didn't really want the character to have, like, the, the one-liners or the quips or anything like that. I just wanted it to be, like, straight, like, a non-talking, you know, whatever. And he wrote the killer, like, lines, like a Freddy Krueger thing, which is, like, you know, I did that in the franchise previously, and I wanted to get away from that. And I told him that I wanted to get away from that. I wanted to make it dark. I wanted to make it scary. He, so well, so
0: he, he was pretty much ignoring your directives and just taking your concept and making it his own.
3: Well, no, well, he said, he's like, well, you know, I'm not giving him, like, funny one-liners. I'm giving him, like, sadistic dialogue and things like that. And I'm like, and I said, well, I understand that. I said, but it's still dialogue. He's still talking. You're still giving him, like... that that personality in some way, shape, or form, and I just don't feel that it fits. Um, So my whole plan was, you know, he finished the draft, and of course it had the the killer speak in it. And I was like, well, that's fine, because I'll just shoot it, and I won't use any of that dialogue.
0: So already, right off the bat, you weren't A, happy with the draft, and B, you wanted to... Uh, just it, not really rewrite but just basically exclude parts right off the bat yeah
3: i mean the draft okay. the draft was it wasn't perfect it was serviceable um, and i was fine enough with shooting it without using the dialogue and the thing was you know obviously i still give him writer credit because he did you know basically put in a lot of work on it um you know but then uh, word got around that and I don't know how it did. But word got back to him that I wasn't happy. And that I thought the dialogue was stupid. Or whatever else. And he ended up like totally going off. Um, saying that I called him an asshole. And that I called him this. And I called him that. I I never had an issue with him as a person. I just had an issue that... I told him one thing, and he did something totally different.
0: He just didn't take the notes. Right. Okay. So, it was also at this point in time, roughly, that you started to try and shoot this, correct?
3: Right. I think I shot, uh, because that summer, we were doing it in the summer of 2011, and the thing was, it was either incredibly hot, or it was fucking poor rain. (laughs) <laughs> so
0: mother nature was fucking you up a ass on this production basically.
3: Right. So I really wasn't I think I think we only got to shoot um once or twice on it before it got to the point where I was like this just isn't happening because this weather is just not working in my favor and you know so I had to postpone it. Uh, against, you know, I didn't want to, but there was no other option at that point.
0: Right. Completely understandable, you know. You can't control the weather. Right. And this was also roughly the time that you had your issues with uh, your co-hosts on the Skeleton Group, correct? Um, right around the same time frame.
3: E- yes, I think so. Okay.
0: So that I was really also so that was... when...
3: No, that was the when we were going to do the second attempt in 2013. Okay. That was after the skeleton crew, though.
0: Yeah, right. So, just before you had left the skeleton crew, probably, what, two months beforehand, maybe three, you and I had started talking. Right. Because I was a fan. Right. I had listened to Rabbit Red Radio. I had started listening to the skeleton crew. I had been uh, actually contacting you. We talked very briefly. I was basically just a fan of the show. I uh, so listening to it. Um, I started talking to you about... Uh, uh, actually, Camp Out Nightmare. Mm-hmm. And we started talking, and I believe I gave you my script, uh, Within the Darkness. Yes. And you liked it, and you asked for me to take a look at the script that Eric had done. Right. And you told me basically what you wanted to change. Right. And I... I started a draft on that.
3: You did, yes.
0: And I basically delivered a very quick draft on that, and you scolded me for almost doing the same thing as Eric, That I listened to you and I took out some dialogue, but there was some dialogue of the killer and stuff that I liked or changed or whatnot. And you basically scolded me, saying, "This is not what I want."
3: You did leave? Did you leave dialogue in there? I did initially. Yep. Wow, I don't even remember that. But okay. Yeah,
0: and I remember you pushing me to do this and that, and we just kept talking about it, and we'd become friends at that time. And through you pushing me. I did a complete rewrite. Right. From ground up, I rewrote it. Right. And I remember I was very happy. There was a lot of brutal kills. I took all the dialogue out. And I remember even as I was writing it, you were giving me notes. Um, uh, I remember there was one particular scene with a father son that I thought was brutal as shit. Mm-hmm. And you had me change because of uh, actors at the time. Because you were still working on the production side of it. Right. And uh, I I completed that draft, gave it to you and I I believe you were very pleased with it. Uh, I believe it kind of got spread around a little bit. I believe Eric even read it. And I think 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 he talked some shit on it. Well,
3: yeah, and I think that was the time that he also... And it's still up there. He posted his um, draft online.
0: Right, and and I get that. I get him wanting to protect his name as a writer. I I get that. Uh, I don't think it's that cool to put something up on a project that is in the process of being made.
3: Considering that the ending pretty much stayed the same throughout you know, right You know,
0: uh, I believe I changed it slightly
3: yeah you may have
0: um, and we throughout the entire process we talked a great deal we'd come up with backstory everything um, I had an entire page flushing out all the characters just you know so actors knew background motivation everything mm. and we'd, we'd really flushed it out as much as we could and then you started to go into production of that one,
3: right? And that was and two thousand and that was the summer of two thousand thirteen, I believe.
0: Yes. Yeah. You 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 can you can go on that one, Mike. I don't I don't have to. Oh well, carry it. No. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, you know, we went into production. We started casting people. Um, uh, I, I thought things were looking good. We had um, this
3: was a great you know, a great tool, um, I got a whole crew going together with that one,
0: you had Um, a production assistant, we, we had the whole deal,
3: basically, there was a whole, like, big thing, and, and I was like, holy shit, I'm like, you know, and these people had, like, professional cameras, professional lighting, professional, like, sound rigs, it was like, you know, a whole big thing, And, and
0: so people aren't thinking that, you know, we weren't taking this serious, um, up to this point when we were getting ready, I had actually purchased a camera. You did. Uh, uh, a, a fairly expensive camera as an investment into the property.
3: Right. And, you know, that was the whole thing. We were going, and, you know, again, uh, we started to shoot that, um, the weather did not always agree with us, but we were still trying to push forward. Um, the thing that, that, that really kind of, uh, Took this apart was um, the the uh, production guy. Um, you know that wrangled people that he knew. Uh, that had
0: the professional cameras that were making props and everything. Right, and
3: had the equipment and all that stuff. Right. Basically, um, at some point, I think I think again we shot like two or three times on this. Um, there were a few of the actors that I, or one actor in particular, I think, I was very, um, unsure of their performance. I just did not like the way that they were playing the character, and I was like, you know, and I was just like thinking in my head, I'm like, I, I, you know, I hate to have to do it, uh, but I, you know, I legitimately think I'm gonna have to cut this person, and I never thought like that, like back in the day when I was doing all this shit, I never fucking thought of dropping anybody from it, but you know, I felt like this was on a higher scale, this was a much bigger production, so you know, it, it had to you know, have a certain legitimacy to it. Um, but for whatever reason, it never got to that point, because um, you know, we would just have to keep canceling, um, I remember the end because of, of your production, right Pete. and the end well, because the end of July, uh they were like, well, we're gonna have to take a month off because there's a short film festival in Philly where you have to take like the next two or three weeks and you have to create a short film. you have to write it and um shoot it and produce it, like all in three weeks. So, people were taking off time to do that, and finally, like, by the time the middle of August rolled around and I was trying to reach out to the one guy who was, you know, kind of like my head PA, I guess you want to say, and he said, um, look, uh, a lot of the people that I kind of, you know, pulled together to do this aren't really interested in continuing because they're looking at this, and they're like, okay, now, uh, they don't really see it, you know, making money, or, you know, putting in any sort of a, bringing in any sort of a return, you know, or, or benefiting They them, didn't have faith in it. Right, think. or benefiting them in any way. So, at that point, I was just like, um, okay. Um, then I guess, that's that and you know within a few weeks I guess I shut it down again because uh, there was nothing else to do
0: and, and here's the thing Mike and I had been talking the entire time uh, I surprised him by delivering the first 20 pages to the sequel
3: Yeah, I, I know you definitely delivered something
0: um, him and I had spoke at length, and there were synopsises and write ups describing everything out for uh, uh uh to make it an entire trilogy and actually a fourth one taking it in a new direction. Right after the trilogy, right. So there there were three sequels planned and at least you know basically figured out.
3: Yeah, and I was very pumped. Like I was very pumped for that. Like I was like wow, it's a whole new direction, a whole new life to this thing that I started when I was, you know, just like a little kid, you know, so... And what year was this,
0: Mike? Uh, just to give people context.
3: This was... Was this 15? Or 16? Or was it before that?
0: I'm I'm not
3: 100%. I think it might be 15 or 16. Because um, I know that you did start, well, because this is, I mean, you know, right now you're in the sixth draft, and I think before that, the draft before this one, I actually started talking to another guy who was older, but he was, and I don't don't even know if I told you this, but he was an older gentleman, and I guess we had met um, for lunch to talk about I had an, another short that I had that you had uh, polished up or rewritten for me, that I was going to make, and he was going to produce that and help me get that done because he had connections. And then we were also going to go forward, and he was going to be involved with with yet again starting up the whole Camp Out Nightmare reboot train.
0: here's the thing I I wasn't aware of that but I actually just looked and when you and I had finished and you were beginning production and we had the sequels all laid out Mm -hmm. it was actually 2012 like that far back holy shit okay so you were beginning production Up, we had everything planned out now not to give too much away but there was a sequel where the main character we would follow for three films
3: yeah
0: and the fourth film was, and and the idea was you would direct those three,
3: mm-hmm. right, Mike? I think originally that was the plan,
0: and then the fourth one was going to be mine. And my idea, and you loved it, mm-hmm. was that we were going to take it in a whole new direction, mm-hmm. where we were going to do found footage, right? But I also wanted to try and push it even further. I wanted to do a three D found footage, right. Because I thought it could be amazing. Now this was 2012, people. Right.
2: Um,
0: and uh, just because this isn't on the table, I, I will put the full idea behind it. The idea was is that um, a group would come into the area where our main villain was known to hunt and committed most of the murders. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't be too much of a surprise to your people. It's a horror film. Um, Now, these people were just doing uh, a simple television show like uh, Ghost Bros or, you know, any of that shit. So my concept was that they would be going here to film and they would be wearing body cameras. Mm -hmm. And... I didn't think we needed any explanation as to why it was 3D. I just thought it would be fucking cool, and it would be more immersive if you were watching this in 3D. Now, I figured, you know, back in 2012, if you watched stuff like this, even a little older, a lot of the body cameras was you would have one on, like, a head rig, and then you'd have, like, a chest rig with a camera pointing at you, so you would get the... They could cut back and forth. And post-production. So I wanted this because I thought this could be really cool, it could be really immersive, and we could have some really great moments where, um, you know, we're following a character and we're intercutting between what they're seeing and their reactions, and, you know, uh, I wanted a a false scare, and then just as that relief, I wanted a knife to just plunge through the chest towards the camera, pointing at their face. So we're getting that relief, we're seeing that cut, and then in 3D, bam! Blood splurts, right there is a knife coming directly at you, mm-hmm. and we're watching this person die. And... I, I thought it was a great concept. Um, I don't think that will ever come to be, but still love the concept.
3: Right.
0: So, uh, go ahead, Mike, you went behind my back and was going to do well, this.
3: No, he was just going um, <laughs> to... He was just going to be involved and like help Like produce it again So I was like okay We'll work on that um, And it just never came to fruition Because two weeks later He stopped Like all All contacts just stopped
0: Now do you remember when that was I'm assuming this was around 16 or that so That
3: was like around 16 Okay, so And he's dead He actually just died a few weeks ago
0: Oh well, that that sucks. Well, I
3: was friends with him on Facebook, so
0: I guess I guess kind of good on him for fucking you over on production, Mike. Probably. No, that's that's horrible. I'm sorry for the people out there. Not really. Fuck him. <laughs> anyway, um, so you never gave up on this, though. Well, and you and I've been friends since Skeleton Crew days. Right. And we've talked about it off and
3: on. And there's about five and a quarter drafts out there right now.
0: And you kept pushing me, and you kept pushing me, and you kept pushing me.
3: I did, yes.
0: And what you forced me to do was come up with an original concept. And when I say that, what what got me and what really held me back from diving into this Mm. was I couldn't think of something original because most of the films and this was even in my pitch to mike most of the films out there that are indian really take off right they have a hook to them you know whether it's uh the supernatural transmittable disease and it follows or no anything like that they have a unique hook right And in the 80s, you just needed a cool slasher and cool kills. Good special effects. Mm -hmm. Well, sadly, you know, those days are gone, and you need a hook. So it took me a long time to think of a hook, and I actually came up with a concept, I'm not going to reveal it, sorry people, where I merged two genres and pitched it to Mike so it made sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I started to write it, and uh, life just kind of got in the way. I got engaged, we bought a house, and a lot of stuff started happening, and I I just didn't get to continue it. Right. And one day, Mike starts talking to me about it again, and...
3: Oh, I wouldn't say that it's just one day. I I would say that every once in a while, I'll I'll just, you know...
0: You would, but there there was one day that we actually discussed it. Yeah. And I sat down and I looked at it and I've been you know, I I, I'm the kind of person that likes to learn. I I I love podcasts about movies and I like learning and trying to evolve it. And I I think that I've learned quite a bit since the original raft original raft, the original draft draft that I wrote. Mm -hmm. And I started with the concept that we that Mike approved that I came up with, mm-hmm. I started down that road again, and I basically have the entire pitch, or the entire synopsis, the entire concept written out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I've flushed all the characters out. I have proper motivation. I have proper story construct. Um, and when I say that, what I mean is I don't mean it has a beginning, middle, and end no, what I'm talking about is typically with movies that are very successful. Uh, you can break each individual act up as basically its own story. And uh, yeah, each individual act you could completely break down, and it could be its own movie. Um, and detailed characters because you you have to have something to invest in anymore. You you, you got to care. Mm-hmm. If you don't care about the people, you're just watching it for the gore. Right. And uh, the mythology behind it, I, I think we've evolved quite nicely. I'm I'm not displeased with that, um, and I I think the the construct of it is both brutal and interesting. And uh, I would say we're about halfway through the draft right now.
3: Really, because I only read the first fucking couple of pages i think you gave me so
0: yeah well fuck you you don't always need to read it (laughs) so uh the idea is that mike never has given up on this and that's one thing that you gotta love about this fucking idiot is is his passion his undying drive and passion and uh i'm really hoping at one point in time people that we can we can deliver this and my idea behind this is that we actually shop this around. We get investors. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that's big time or not, um, the the kind of production value that I would like to deliver, and I think Mike is completely on board, mm-hmm. is something that you would see at a festival. And I, I don't want you to be like, ooh, an actual film. No, I'm saying... We want to deliver something that you would be able to go and see in a theater.
2: Right.
0: We want to deliver. Cool. Yeah, we want to deliver something with you know, good acting, in 4K, proper 4K, not 1080P. twelve um, mm-hmm.
3: sixty, please.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know we're we're we're, we're talking uh, never hike alone production values. So let, let's let's put it at that scale. Because, let's face facts, people, if you're going to make something nowadays, well, if you're competing for people's attention and they can watch something for free on YouTube, you you have to at least be at their level. Yeah. So, hopefully, at some point in time, Michael J. will be able to deliver his masterpiece. And maybe, just maybe, he might just scare you all.
3: Well, that all goes on your writing skills, sir.
0: Well, it also, it's not just on me. I mean, if you're a fucking shitty ass director, uh, that's gonna all fall apart, Michael.
3: Well, we'll have to see.
0: Well. <laughs> so, I, I I hope you guys kind of enjoyed this. This was just kind of a, a chance to to look at a filmmaker that we don't typically look at. One that. that you know we listen to you all the time and we'd never have heard their story so i just wanted to take this opportunity and actually you know highlight mike a little bit because a lot of times he gets shit on and well that's deserved but he also he deserves his m- moment in the light so congratulations mike you've made a, a shitty horrible franchise that no one has ever really seen and hopefully at some point in time somebody is dumb enough to give us money And they will actually see a proper version
3: well, uh, That would be very nice If that could actually happen oh. Hey there little red girl. I'll you one last
2: week Get yes. Marathon.